Welcome back to the Victory Podcast. So glad for you to join us again. Today we're going to be doing part two of the functions of the body. Um, had some good comments on the podcast we just posted last week, and so hopefully some, hopefully you bring some wisdom. And hopefully. Some, and we have some good comments on this one as well. But just to review, we talked about to be the visible manifestation, outward expression of the inward character of Christ. That was part one. And then number two was to edify Christ's body and how do you edify so now we're going to move into three and four. So are you ready to unleash the wisdom? I am. So we're talking about the body of Christ, bringing clarity to yes. the body of Christ, its purpose, its role, what God has designed it to do. We've said that there are four things that we've identified um, and covered two of them last week. Mm-hmm. This week we're going to hit the next two. All right, here we go. Number three, evangelism. And Thanks. this one's tricky. Because do you think, again, everything in what we're talking about, there's always a balance. Right. So there, this is not a right or wrong question, but your opinion. Evangelism is a tricky one because, like, yeah, the church is supposed to evangelize. Is it corporately or is it an individual evangelism calling? That's exactly where my mind went when you brought this subject up. Um, because there's always that distinction. I think anytime you talk about the church, we talk right. about the gathering of believers and mm-hmm. the personal identity that I have as as part right. of the, the body of Christ. So I believe there's both elements, uh, you know, bring something to the table. I do believe one of my thoughts, and, and this is just from our, probably from our personal experience, is that um, oftentimes we, I think many individuals kind of give up their assignment to evangelize to the church they kind of right. wait for the church like if like let's put a program together yeah. as the church where yeah. we all come together we all go out into a neighborhood and pass out tracks or do something <laughs> you know that's kind of how it's funny but especially yeah. being in the church world for so many years like right. i've been in i've seen those whatever go hang a, something on the doorknob of some yeah. you know inviting people <laughs> to church and i mean there's nothing against that but i think often people wait you know, like personally, I don't evangelize. I wait for the church to initiate some kind of evangelism program that I can just right. fall into. So I, uh, I, I personally lean toward the idea that, I, and as far as our congregation is discipling people, I would rather have a room full of people who are individually committed to the idea that that I'm part of the body of Christ and my job is to evangelize in my right. circle of influence as I do my life. Right. I, I honestly thought that tracks were um, done away with. I, I got saved in 97, joined the church. Um, I came from a Presbyterian background. I don't ever remember seeing a track as a kid growing up. I never went to trunk or treats at churches and got tracks. So my dad was the um, was the guy in the 70s. I was born in 71 in Panama City, Florida. A lot of people don't know that. My dad was in the Air Force, and um, I was born there on an Air Force base in Panama City. But uh, my dad was freshly baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1971, and my mom says that he just spent all of his time on the beach wearing one of those big wooden crosses in the <laughs> 70s. You know, I don't know if he had his shirt unbuttoned a little bit, you know, and uh, and like it's in so the height good. of kind of beach preacher evangelism, yeah. you know. So so I've seen it all. I've been I've seen it all. Well, I saw. I remember seeing. Um, when we were cleaning out some closets, I don't know, this was probably 12 years ago, and we we're 
back behind where the copy machine is in the office and I found a box full of tracks. Heck yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, I thought they were done. Well, then about six months ago, I was at Firehouse Subs um, looking for a sponsorship by saying that name. <laughs> but we're at Fire, Firehouse Subs and one of my friends, I wasn't there with him. Um, he's not a believer of some sorts. He does not go to church. This is one of my good friends and he goes, hey, um, guess what just handed to me? I'm like, what? He's like, check this out. And it was a track that oh. someone just went up to his table and said, God told me to give this to you. Sweet. And I was like, well, turn or burn, baby. Let's go. <laughs> like, what are we doing? But um, anyway, that's when, so when you brought up tracks. But I do think that, that people do um, relinquish their right. evangelism to the professionals. Yeah. And it was never supposed to be that way. Yeah. Acts 1 8, um, there's two references of the evangelism part. I mean, just there's more than that, but the two that I like to talk about is Acts 1 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. A lot of charismatic churches, we stop there. Oh, you got power, but what's the power for? It's for evangelism. Evangelism. Yeah, absolutely. Not to give you goosebumps, not to be like, oh my gosh, that was so good. It was to give you boldness and power to evangelize. Absolutely. And the way that he broke it down, he broke it down by the by their own like their community. Then basically if it was us, it would be our city, our parish, our state, the nation, the world. Right. And so I always say again growing up here it was like man you got to go to africa you got to go to india you got to go to this place and be like man no you you can do it right here Absolutely. there's evangelism that can happen right here yeah. and the next one that we always talk about is the great commission yeah. matthew 28 18 through 20 if you don't know it I'll, I'll just read it here i didn't have time to go back to my office to get my bible so i'm using a digital bible Uh-oh. amen and jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. And so is Jesus speaking to an individual or the or the church? I think both because these guys, you got to think his audience there was his disciples. Right. And they were the foundation of the church. You yeah. Know? And, but also then if you read the book of Acts, continue to read in Acts, you'll see that, you know, Philip went and did his evangelism. Uh, Paul went and did his evangelism. So you'll see the individuals going out. And sometimes they take a, right. somebody with them. Yeah. You know, Paul would travel with Silas or yeah. – uh, so you, you see that. But um, – I think I think you see more of the personal context of it, mm-hmm. personal evangelism than corporate evangelism in in the book right. of Acts. We were when I was a youth pastor, there was a young man um, grew up in our church. He's no longer part of our um, denomination. He's actually Catholic, um, but his name is Ryan. You know who I'm talking about. And we were talking about evangelism. We were talking, and all the youth leaders were talking about um, go out and get people saved. And then people would come in and be like, I, I prayed with five people at Books a Million. And, and he was really quiet. And Ryan, if you know who I'm talking about, was never quiet like that. And, and I said, Ryan, what's up? And he goes, sometimes I feel like we just go out to do this just so we can do notches on our belts. Mm-hmm. And he said, doesn't the word said to go make disciples, not converts? Right. And this was a at the time he was 15 years old. Yeah. And I'm like, there's some wisdom in what he just said. Sure. Because that Matthew 28 didn't say go out and make converts. Right. Go out and see how many people you can pray the <clears throat> sinner's prayer with. Go and make disciples. Yeah. Which is why our mission, our assignment here at Victory is every believer a disciple. Yeah. We're really called to the evangelize through discipleship. 
Absolutely. Is that the right way to say that? Evangelism yes. through discipleship? Yeah. Yeah. And so what we want to take part is Second Corinthians 5 says that you are his ambassador. You are to represent Jesus wherever right. you go. Um, sometimes you are the only Jesus that people see. So I believe in evangelism. Absolutely. I don't know if I necessarily believe in every method of evangelism. I think they all have their place. But we were talking, I, I, you know, every once in a while we run into somebody who's really got, I think there's an evangelistic gifting. You know, we're all mm-hmm. supposed to evangelize, but there's an right. evangelistic gifting. And when I run into somebody with that, I'm always interested to watch them. And, um, and I, I like people, you know, I, again, there's the confrontational route where you go out, you actively hand out cr- tracks or you do those things. But there's also people who just have a sense that the people in their life who they have influence with will open up an opportunity. And I love to see people in those giftings right. you know, while they're with their coworkers, with the people that, and they just really share the gospel. I think that's the most effective way right. of doing it. Um, I know business owners who use their business platform, the influence they have in their business platform right. to hold Bible studies and to yeah. you know teach people about the Lord and stuff. And I, I just think that's beautiful. I, there seems to be a, a peace and a rhythm to it rather than being real confrontational. It just tends to happen in their natural everyday life, whatever they're doing. You know, if you're on a baseball team, you and I have talked about this. You know, if you're coaching a baseball team, right. it's great an opportunity to present the gospel to the yeah. to the kids and show the the love of the Lord to kids and and to their parents. You know, and, yeah. and those types of things. So, yeah, there's we had, a natural rhythm to that. We had that case um, Sunday. We were in the championship game and we were watching the semifinals. We are already, we were the first semifinal. We won. So our kids are sitting there watching, and there was a. Um, a team that's 10 years old, but they look 12, mm. like that type of team. Like um, checking birth certificate team. <laughs> all the um, all the, our kids were like, those are 12-year-olds. Those are 11-year-olds. Oh my! And they were like, we're rooting for the other team because we already beat the other team. Mm. And when, the other, when that AAA team won and they had to play us, when we're getting our bags walking to the dugout, the kids are like, oh, man, I didn't want to play that team. And <laughs> – we lost the game before we even stepped in the dugout mm, right. based off of fear. Mm-hmm. So after the game, uh, me and our other two coaches decided we're going to run the dog out of these kids. We're going to run the fear out of these <laughs> kids. But then we're like, man, the kid's been here since 8 a.m. We're not going to do that. And so we, we talked to him and said, just get ready for the next practice because next practice we're going to run. We're, we're going to get that effort. But then um, your brother-in-law, Trey, at the end, and, and he was the ones like, hey, we're going to run them. It told the kids that. And then he said, here's what fear does to you. And he began to preach a message oh, wow. about fear. About fear causes you to, to shrink back, to not give your full potential, to not yeah. use boldness that's inside of you to win the game. And I just stepped back and I'm like, this is evangelism. Mm, yeah. These kids are learning how to deal with fear from just a stupid little game with a bat and a ball. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was bigger than that. It was yeah. teaching these kids how to be humans, how to be yeah. good citizens and not live off of fear. So, yeah, I agree with that. So uh, back to, again, bring clarity to your question. The question you asked, is it individual or is it corporate? It's both. And so right. there is that individual aspect of it. And and really at Victory, I would love for each individual believer to have that personal feel that I have a responsibility yeah. to evangelize. But also there is a corporate um a corporate method for evangelism and um you know the bible says in in first corinthians it talks about the different giftings and stuff and 
And the reason that he would give different giftings is so that those giftings could operate in a corporate setting. So when we yeah. all come together, all the, the different giftings that bring balance to us would be represented in that gathering. And, uh, and even the gifts, I mean, are meant to, for the world to see mm-hmm. the gifts operational. I mean, that's what happened on, on the day of Pentecost, right. right? The world saw the gifts in manifestation mm-hmm. and said, what is going on here? It drew their attention yeah. and then gave Peter a platform that he would not have had right. to, to speak to all these people. And then the church had, I mean, God added 3,000 members to the church that day based yeah. on the fact that the gifts brought evangelism, brought gathered the attention of the world. And then gave a platform for the gospel to be shared. So I think the church corporately um, can certainly do things that would be evangelistic as well. But what we don't want is individuals saying, well, it's only the church's, right. the, the, the corporate church's job to do evangelism, not mine. Because a big question that came up a couple of years ago, um, it might have been right in the transition with you and your dad. It was a, It's a big question in the, uh, I don't want to even call it the body of Christ, but maybe in church staffing. Is, is your church Sunday morning service for the believer or the non-believer? That was a big buzz question because there was a, some bigger churches and some pastors came out that said, our Sunday morning is for the non-believer. It's not for you if you're a believer. We want you here. You're part of the team, but you're here to help evangelize. So their messages are very evangelistic. Not wrong, but we feel like our Sunday morning's not, I would, would you say it's like 70-30? Percent was. Um, I'm fighting a sneeze, so I'm going to answer that question carefully. <laughs> but um, bless you. <laughs> I would I would say we are not. I don't see us evangelistic in our services. Um, but I don't fault the church that is right because I do believe there are different assignments in different churches. You know how I say it is. Um, this is evident in the medical field. Okay. There's specialists in the medical yeah. field, right? You, you can go to a general practitioner, but if you have a toe infection, you can go to a podiatrist. You don't go to a brain surgeon. You go to, right. you know, so there's, there are certain specialists yeah. in, in the medical field that serve a purpose, and they all fit under yeah. the umbrella yeah. of the medical field, but they're specialists. And so I think that different churches have different yeah. specializes. Um, one of the, I'm going to bring up a controversial name. Oh, uh-oh. You know, everybody throws rocks. I mean, one of the biggest targets in America right now is poor old Joel Osteen, you know, <laughs> yeah. and because they think he ought to be something, you know, there's some category that he's supposed to fall under. But when I look at Joel, I go, Joel's a specialist. He's an encourager. That's mm-hmm. what he does. Like, don't go there expecting, like, to get the teaching that you would get from a a deep you know, from a Larry LaFleur, because Larry LaFleur and Joel Osteen are two different people with two right. different giftings. And so right. I don't throw rocks at Joel. I just go, he's a specialist. Right. And I don't know that I would go to church there if I if I lived in Houston. I don't know, because right. that may not be what I need right now. But he's a specialist. And so maybe we give grace to one another in the body of Christ that right. there's specialists out there. And some people, I think... Um, uh, Elevation Church, their specialty is evangelism, right? right? And so they, I think Stephen Furtick says that his um, 
that that their services are not for believers it's for the right. non-believer again I, I got no rocks to throw about that he's just a specialist right absolutely and that's the thing is if we all could look at each other's giftings and and honor the giftings yeah but the problem is we all try to make everybody like uh, like us i think the whole world ought to function like jody lafleur right. functions and it doesn't yeah where we can get off on like one big minister can get off on one subject and we then discount everything they say but I tell people, listen, and this is important. I could say this in marriage all the time, but I think it's important also in the body of Christ. Our differences make us productive. Mm-hmm. If you think about natural biology, the reason a man and a woman can be productive in reproducing another human is because of the differences. Right. Differences make us fruitful. Yes. Right? And so Joel being different from me helps the body be be fruitful. Right. Is the way I, I go about looking at and it. And I have grace for people because I don't have a camera. I mean, we have cameras in our face right now, but I don't have the national cameras, media. Oh, absolutely. Asking me every hot topic button question oh, where I'm going to have to answer on the fly and go, there's probably a lot of stuff that I really believe that would make everybody <laughs> at this church really angry. Like, I, I, I'm going to bring up one. Oh, Lord. I'm going to bring up one. No, the the death penalty. That was one. It, it, that's not a hot button topic, but I am pro life from the womb to the tomb, baby. Like that's just who I am. And it happened whenever I was 19 years old because I was like, "Kill him!" Like, and I'm like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and then, but again, that's a personal conviction that I have. I don't think that you, if you don't want to be that, you don't have to. But for me to say you're wrong, that's where we get off and be like. But you always say, try to put your feet on their front porch to see where they're coming from. Absolutely. And once I do that, once I learn that principle, it's like, I have grace for you. Absolutely. I understand where you're coming from. From Mark Driscoll in Seattle to our friend Jeff Knight in Seattle, I'm, and Mark Driscoll's not there anymore, to the Joel Osteen in Houston, to the T.D. Jakes yeah. in Dallas, or even the John Pipers or the John MacArthur's or all these people that were like, there's some stuff. I can have grace for them because I try to see where they're coming from. Yeah, and if there's some script, unscriptural thing we're dealing with, that's, that's, that's easy. But even right. I try to be gracious with that because I, I really don't like the movement, especially the platforms <laughs> we have now. If I if I have an axe to grind, there's, there's a dozen platforms I can get on right. to grind it in front of the whole world, and I just don't yeah. think that's helpful. So I, don't, I don't know how we got off on that, but – Evangelism. So, evangelism. <laughs> I think there's an individual responsibility yeah. as a member of the body of Christ, right. and there's a corporate responsibility. Yes, they absolutely. Each, they each have a part to play. All right, so the fourth one that we feel the function of the body is to do is to— this may ought to be number one, is to glorify God. But I'm going to ask you to define glorify God. I was afraid you were going to ask me that. <laughs> well, what does glory, what does glory, to give glory mean? Well— um, so let me answer, not that I'm not going to answer that question. Because I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> I'll answer the broader question. I guess i answer it. I'll talk out my thoughts, and I'm going to do this in front of you. So, um, you know, I come, I've had a lot of church experience in my life. And I come from a time where, you know, the objective in a church service was to have a Holy Spirit right. encounter in our church services. That sounds weird to say because I'd still love for that to happen today, you know what I mean? But it was like that was the goal. Every time we come together is like we want the Holy Spirit to wreck this place. And um, and kind of what we, when I thought bring glory to God, that's that's what kind of automatically pops into really? my head. 
that our church services ought to be a place where God's presence can show up and encounter people in that way. And I don't think that's a wrong definition, but it's probably too narrow. Mm. Wouldn't you say? That it's not just about our church services being a place where God can be glorified. But I think in a broader sense, as I look at the the totality of Scripture, I mean, even John 15 and stuff where he's talking about, you know, uh, the oneness of the body, the unity of the body bringing glory to God. And so I think in a broader way, the way the church glorifies God is they look at us, they look at our love for one another, they look at our unity, they look at the way we res- we impact culture and the way we— right. and, and and somehow that would glorify and honor the Lord mm. in that. So I don't know. That, that would be a broader definition right. than having powerful church services. No, I agree. I agree. Because if that's what it's all about, I think we're missing the other part of it. Like we all want our – if our church services are not glorifying God, let's shut it down. Because that is – when the body comes together, we are supposed to glorify God. Glorify – the word glor- to give glory means to give the ultimate praise. It's what glory means, the ultimate adoration, the ultimate whatever adoring word you want to use. That's what it that's where the definition is. Thank you, Mr. Webster. But to glory because again, do you believe that you can go right now and jump on the lawnmower and glorify God? Yes, maybe. I think so. I mean, according to scripture, according to everything scripture. Let everything you do, you know, be as Whether unto you the Lord. Drink, yeah, you know, let it all be to yeah to, to give. So I think it's a paradigm shift of going. Whenever you speak well to your wife and you're loving your wife, you're glorifying God. Yeah, I do agree with that. If you're living out your purpose, I believe you're glorifying God. Yeah, and I believe if you're coaching baseball or you're um, in a team roping box right now, I've met some really godly team ropers. One of the World eight-time world champion team roper Clay O'Brien Cooper. He was in the movie The Cowboys. Mm-hmm. The the little kid in there. My top five. One of my top five movies. Top five westerns or top five movies. Top five movies. movies. So if you want to know trivia about Jody Lafleur, that's well, I, one of my top five. I got to hang out with Clay O'Brien Cooper a lot in my life in the rodeo world. I've never met a, a man who he reminds me of Uncle Kent Ledoux. Hmm. Who when when Clay O'Brien gets up and he talks and and you're seeing his world champion buckle and you're like this dude is the they, they call him the machine he hmm. does not miss like he's the machine greatest of all time and he gets a microphone in his hand and I've had to mic him up a couple of times and he's already in tears hmm. thinking about the Lord yeah and just so humble and I'm like he really when he backs into the box to rope that steer here he is literally going I am swinging for the Lord. Hmm. And we can go, oh, that's so shallow. It's not. Right. Like, it is really his thing. I believe the the woman checking out um, at, I'm going to bring up another restaurant, at Roly Poly. There's a lady there. I don't know her name. I need to find her name. I'm, I'm friends with the owner of the company. This podcast brought to you by Firehouse <laughs> Subs and Roly Poly. Yeah. <laughs> um, we go out to eat a lot. <laughs> this lady, when we, me and Dakota, we went there and I said, I need to go and tell her I want her at her church. She's the she's the best greeter I've ever experienced in my life. Wow. And I don't even know if she's a believer. I I know she is because the way she greets us and the way she's like, "Yes, sir, you want you want mustard on that? You want?" And I'm like, she's so uplifting. Hmm. And I'm like, she is glorifying God because she is encouraging me. And so I think we can get off of like to glorify means um here I am to worship, shout to the Lord, 
but it's more than that. But I think you're, you know, we're back probably to that individual Individual, versus corporate because what you're explaining is is more individual bringing glory. But again, remember, and maybe I don't even have a full, you know, understanding of what this is, but but like Jesus, even in, in John 17, when he's praying for his disciple, he's like, he didn't ask, Lord, let them have powerful church services. He said, Lord, let them be, let them love each other well. Let them be let so them be united. One, right? Let them be one. Like I'm in you and you're in me. Let them be in me and you. And, that, you know, it yeah. goes through that whole thing. And so uh, maybe there's a, a unity and a love in the body of Christ that brings glory that we don't even understand. Yeah. Because uh, that's not high priority for us. We think unity in our building, mm. but we don't really think unity in the, the worldwide church of, of Jesus. And so um, anyway, so maybe there's a glory that we've not yet tapped into as we love one another well um, in the body. Um, and sometimes we think about loving the world, bringing glory to God. Like when we go out and do something for the world, I'm thinking about a youth group that'll go out and pick up trash in a neighborhood, right. you know, and so they're kind of loving the world, thinking that would bring glory to God. And that does. But scripture far more times points about points to the fact that unity and love among the brethren mm-hmm. is something to be desired. And I think there's a glory there that we don't yet understand. And maybe that's where we were. This should have been part of the, the Joel Osteen talk or the John Piper talk, because I do believe in unity so much. Um, that's why I did preach the message I preached is we could, there's disagreement all over the place. Absolutely. We were in, um, me and Jody were in Montana not too long ago, and one of the guys there brought up, should women be allowed to speak in a church? And he, I, we all say yes, but he wanted to, like, let's dive into the theology of it and yeah. see what Paul was saying, and then even in Timothy, what Paul was saying. And and there's already, I brought up the John MacArthur. John MacArthur is against women speaking at all. And so we look at that and be like, well, then I'm against him. He's a heretic. Right. Or he calls us a heretic because you're Lori speaking this Sunday. And I'm like, we get off of the main thing. That's why the message was so important to me. Is like, if you believe in Jesus, that he is who he said he is, he does what he said he does, and he's still doing what he said he did, bro, I'm with you. Yeah. But yet, I think we look at too many other things to get our disagreements. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I'm a little just naive. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm just too um, utopian society wanting, but I yeah. just believe in unity of the body. And whenever they came together, we you brought up Acts, Peter. He didn't speak about how to do the hallelujah hop right. or what was appropriate worship. He literally preached the gospel of Christ. I don't know if there's a better message ever preached about the gospel of Christ. Right. And 3,000 people were added to the church. Yeah. Yeah. That's to me glorifying God is when we're in that full unity of who Christ is. Yeah. And I really do. I, I was thinking about this. I, I think God used the perfect analogy. The, when he calls us the body, right. I'm like, I think that is the perfect picture of, of what he has called us to be. Right. Um, because there is unity in your body. Mm-hmm. If you if there's not unity in your body, you're in the hospital, <laughs> right? Seriously. Right. I mean, if no, one part right. of your body is fighting against another part of your body, um, then then there there's a right. problem. And so I think when we focus on the idea of a body and, and you think of these professional athletes, like what their body 
can produce, what their body does brings glory. You know, LeBron James has glory attached to his name, but it's based on what his body can accomplish. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So maybe that's the picture we should be looking at, is that God wants his body to behave in a way that his name grows, his name receives glory because of the power of his body, because of the unity of his body, because of the cohesion of his body, because of the effectiveness of his body. So, So maybe that's the broader picture we should be looking at, that we as the church ought to really consider ourselves like if God's going to do something with his hand today, he's going to use his body. I am the hand that's going to reach out on his behalf to accomplish his purposes. And I think that's what maybe would bring the ultimate glory to God to see his body functioning in the way that the human body functions to serve. My, My body, his job is to serve Jody. Yeah. How do you think we can get to that? Um... Read the Bible. <laughs> you know, I mean, that sounds funny, but everything I read, John seventeen seventeen, you know, the sanctification process, the washing, Ephesians five twenty five, you know, says that, that Christ washes us by the word to bring us into maturity, to present us as a bride. Mm-hmm. So everything that I look, the work that God does, he does through his word. So that sounds like a pat answer to say the Bible, but I can't find anything else that accomplishes the sanctification, maturing, renewing my mind, shaping me process than the Word of God. So I think the Word's the key as we all adhere to the Word. Um, That's what what he's going to use. Back in um, 1999, do you remember what was popular back then? No, you don't. I I do not. Um, I don't even know why I asked that. It was more rhetorical. Because I don't remember yesterday what was popular. (laughs) We had some bracelets. (laughs) Remember the bracelets we all wore? The WWJD WWJD. And as simple as those bracelets were, I saw they started making a comeback last year yeah. during the pandemic, which I think is a phenomenal way to look at this whole thing. And it was based off of political and mask mandates. But Would Jesus wear a mask? Would Jesus wear a mask? <laughs> can I, can I t- the worst thing I've ever saw, by the way, this is so off topic, but it's really not because it called this unity. It had a picture of Dr. Fauci mm-hmm. and a picture of a, a white jesus in a robe and it says who would you rather trust and the thing that the guy was like i dr fauci has all these things i don't know who this chad guy is wearing this bathrobe (laughs) i was like that's funny and then that's right right whenever it's like what's one thing in the bible that will make people upset what's one thing that's not in the bible Jesus was white. <laughs> There's no white people in the Bible. Anyway, uh, that's where that came up. But but what I'm saying, though, is um, God, where did I get off on that? I don't, I don't even know. remember now. Uh, oh, the WWJD. That's where they came from. It's like, really, what would Jesus do in this situation? And I thought the message of the WWJD was that important because it's made us not look at culture and it helped us not look at even like rules and regulations, but really how would Jesus approach this situation? Well, and I believe that's a hard question to answer because you could have four or five well-meaning, Jesus-loving right. people sit in a room and say, what would God do? What would Jesus do in this situation? And we can all look in the Word right. and find and come up with different answers for that. But I think just one trick, because we, we, we said the Word is what um, – is going to do the work in us. It isn't, and this is scary to say as a pastor because I don't want to. I don't want to get too far off on this, but this is the word, 
but the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So it isn't just about knowing these words on a paper. It's about knowing the word. Right. And so if I know the heart of Jesus, Mm -hmm. the living word, the word incarnate, then I I will know what to do in every situation, even if it doesn't spell it out in this book specifically how to behave at whatever. Yeah. You you know what I'm saying? So it's more than just... It, I'm not discounting this, the the written word, the logos, but I there's more to know than just the logos. There's right. there's the word incarnate. It's knowing the God of the word, not just the word. The know? reason why the four gospels are so important to me is because when you study Roman the Roman Empire and all the political jargon that was coming up and all the sin that was coming up, and I go, okay, in the three and a half years of Jesus's ministry. I don't recalling him bringing up any of those social issues. The woman caught in adultery, that was more of a religious issue of the Old Testament law. The paying the taxes is the only time I think that a social issue, but that was that was not really a social issue. And that's where the W Day the what would Jesus do mentality helps me to go keep the main thing the main thing. If someone is a pro abortionist. I can't even eat with them. But going, no, I'm going to love this person. I'm going, like you, your your abortion um, talks that you've had on Sunday morning has been probably some of the most life-giving words that have ever come out of your mouth. Hmm. Whenever you talked about, if you're a woman in here, and it's not just, hey, we love you, you did wrong. It was literally like, no, we have compassion that you were even put in that situation. And it Absolutely. was different because... You have the paradigm of putting your feet on their front porch right? to see what you would do in that situation. And going, when you do that, I believe that's the masterful of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, He was able to see the woman caught in adultery right? and see the hurt in her, not the act that she did. Because he never condoned her adultery. He didn't. He said, go and away and sin what, no more. Right. But you're right. He reached beyond beyond the action and I'm, I'm telling you I'm so convinced I don't know again I don't know if this is still on topic or not everything's on topic but I'm so convinced that that God is not um, I mean what we do obviously can hurt us like right. if you're if you're a a, a a methamphetamine user I mean that's actively hurting you as you right. are doing it and so we want you to stop ASAP because it's doing damage to you. If you're an adulterer, we want you to stop because it's going to hurt your marriage. Right, absolutely. Um, But what I know about God is God's not just interested in you stopping that activity. He's interested in healing the part of you that would reach for that activity. Right. And so God always has a longer approach than the church does. Sometimes we get impatient with people, and we want them to change their behavior immediately. And again, in some cases— that's an act of love. We're doing that because right. we love you and want you to stop because you're actually doing damage. But God is more interested in the heart. And so right. even though what would Jesus do, you got to know the heart of God to right. truly answer that question, right. you know. And so um, that's a new paradigm, though. That's I feel like that's a I hate using the word paradigm like overuse it, but that's a new thought pattern that I feel we have as a staff here at church at Victory is to know that. It's God's timing, not me and you. Right. Because that's hard. Because yeah. we want to go, you're, you're um, a drug dealer. Stop. And then you can come in. 
instead of going, maybe God's working some stuff. Yeah, it's still sin. It's still, but maybe God's doing something. The biggest one that I think we all came to the realization of last year was watching those videos of the um, Sid guy, the homosexuality. Oh, yeah. um, what Sid the, Rogers? Sid Rogers. If you haven't watched that, go watch that video. That will kind of change, I believe, change your thought pattern on on homo homosexuality. We're not condoning it. Right. But going, is is God that big where he can walk that person through? Yeah. God, that's that's deep. Yeah, it really is. But that's unity of the body. Yeah. Yeah, it's the body loving well, representing God well. Because I was thinking of um, what, you know, some churches have made the news and stuff. It hadn't right, you know, lately. But you see every once in a while these um you know, holding signs that are just like God hates oh, whatever, yeah. you know, and and honestly, is that statement true? Well, yes. I mean, God hates sin, mm-hmm. but sometimes we we present God in, in that angry God's just screaming at you about how He hates your actions, and He does hate them because they hurt you, but He loves you, you know. And and I think I don't know, maybe part of the the body of Christ bringing glory to God. Is the way that we love the world around us. Not condone sin. Not talking about moving the goalpost. Not talking about kicking out any scriptures or anything right. like that. Right. But just presenting him well in the way that that Jesus loved that woman caught in adultery. I mean, he loved her really well. So much so that it just, I think, right. it tenderized her heart that fast because she was ready for the hammer. Right. And when she didn't receive it, it opened her heart for the Lord. And the mystery so. of the gospel is, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, which means he loved us while we were still sinners. Do I still love the person who is still sinning? Absolutely. Or do I judge them? Yeah. That's a, I I agree with you. Yeah. We we have agreement, Jody. Good. Miracles are going to (laughs) happen. Well, that's it for this episode of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Like always, you can always contact us if you have any questions. If you're watching and you're not part of our body, um, be part of a body. Um, man, I love the body of Christ. Absolutely. Warts and all, man. I'm telling you, it's. And if you're not connected with the body of Christ, get connected. Um, check your expectations. You know, you're mm. going to find imperfect people. You're going to get hurt. I mean, yeah. anytime you you interact with people, there's the potential for pain. Yeah. Um, and so, but but don't miss out on what the body brings. Church was God's idea. Yeah. We didn't make this up. You yeah. know, it was God's idea. He put Jesus as the head of the church, and I trust the head. Yeah, so, absolutely. Anyway, thank God we're not the head. Absolutely. We'd go be a mess. Be a very big mess. We'll see you next time.